Equine health is our business. Horses and education are our passion. Welcome to the EquiConnect podcast. Here we have case-based conversation and talk about interesting news and information with the goal of sharing knowledge, focusing on equine health. This podcast is not a substitute for regular and emergency veterinary care. Our purpose is to inform and educate horse people not to diagnose and treat medical conditions without a valid veterinary client-patient relationship. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of the Aqua Connect podcast brought to you by McKee Pownell Equine Services. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Pownell, joined by myself, Karen Fell. Joining us today, we have one of the OGs of McKee Pownell, Dr. Jim Welsh from our Uxbridge location. Welcome, Jim. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So, Jim, before we jump in, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your focus of practice. I know everybody in the Uxbridge practice area knows you, but maybe some of our other clients or other horse owners, you're new to them. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I've been working here, I guess, for about 12 years now. Uh, I would say I have a pretty diverse focus. Pride myself on some versatility. So, uh, surgery, repro, lameness, wellness, you name it, I'll fix it. (laughs) And you do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are, I would say, the Jim Jack of all trades. Yeah, that's what the J stands for. <laughs> Don't ask me the I and the M, but. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you're joining us today and we're talking about pre-purchase exams. So what's the value of doing a pre-purchase exam? No quick answer on that one, but the value of a pre-purchase is the ability to limit heartbreak into the future. You know, a pre-purchase is basically like a still photo. And we're trying to gain as much information we can during that exam to make that photo as clear as possible. And we're using that in conjunction with what the person wants to use it for into the future, that discipline, as well as where the horse is at its stage, you know, so it's trying to match that. It's almost like insurance. It's one thing you can bring your car to a mechanic and it's, you know, it's not going to be much different next year. That's right. That's but a right. horse can, depending on what it's doing. Trying to identify those ticking time bombs, yeah. you know, especially a younger horse or a horse that's going to be going up in training or competition. Again, just trying to minimize any kind of heartbreak that we can. I was thinking of this when I was looking at the questions. I remember years ago, I was doing a lameness exam on a hind. I remember it vividly. I just, I think of this a lot. Left hind leg and we were x-raying the leg and there was screws and plates from a fracture and they had said oh we bought the horse a year ago and i had asked that you do a pre-purchase exam they're like no it was a cheap horse so we didn't think we needed to and i was like did they tell you about this yeah just as you said is that time bomb or just trying to give them a see into the future as much as we can and i just i remember just how their faces just dropped oh for sure and like i think the tough thing is there is no cheap horse right like now more than ever By the time you start paying for every little thing, it's the pre-purchase likely ends up being one of the cheapest investments. It's a house inspection is literally what it is. That's a good analogy. So when you're going in to do a pre-purchase exam, you look on your schedule, you have one scheduled today. I know you've done some already this week. Like what's sort of the goal in your mind? Like what's the mindset going into the pre-purchase exam? Because I know a lot of people have some confusions that we're going to go and pass and fail or what have you. And that's why we're doing this podcast, because there's a lot of questions people have. Yeah, exactly. I think it's always important. You know, I was saying to Katie Renault today, technician was with me, I was like, 
at a pre-purchase, you have a seller that wants to sell the horse. You have a buyer that wants to buy the horse. There's no one with a gun to their head, but we're just trying to make sure that everyone is comfortable with the decision in the end. And no one is really trying to stop it one way or the other. But if there's something that is going to be a hindrance, then we need to identify that. And a lot of times, you know, we go to a pre-purchase and the person's already in love with the horse. They're going to maybe go on with the purchase no matter what I say, but at least then they know what they're up against if there's an issue. And a lot of times there's a substantial educational component to it about just preventative things they could do for that horse, maintenance maybe that the horse will need. Again, just like knowing what you're up against and so that as you go through the stages with that horse, there's no surprises that could have been identified earlier. There's always going to be surprises because it's a horse, but if we can minimize them, that's the key. Yeah, that's for sure. Walk us through a pre-purchase exam. They can be basic to very exhaustive, but let's just say a typical pre-purchase exam that we're going to do in the Toronto area. Yeah. The great thing is we have forms filled out before from both the buyer and the seller that at least can get me in the right mindset. What some of the expectations are for the horse, what it's going to be doing, and what it's already currently doing. And so when I get there, we kind of have a chat. Ideally, everyone is is uh, there. I much prefer that like both the buyer and the seller are there. So we can clarify anything as it pops up. We kind of have a chat about what the horse is currently doing. And again, what the horse is going to be doing. And then we just start with literally your basic physical exam. Let's just get a survey. Let's get a hands on the horse and just take a feel, take a listen, look in eyes, check mouth, all of that kind of stuff. Once we get through that, we're going to dive in a little bit more into the uh, performance aspect of the horse. So we're going to go through each leg just in standing cross ties. We're going to have her take a look at every joint. We're going to passively flex the joint. We're going to be looking basically for any bumps joint effusion, like uh, extra fluid in the joint. We're going to palpate tendons, make sure there's no pain or heat or swelling. And we're going to do that on all four. We're going to feel the back over. We're going to do some neck stretches just to see kind of range of motion and get a feel for that horse. Obviously, it, it changes a little bit based on the age of the horse, you know, a little different with a yearling uh, and a 20-year-old and everywhere in between. And kind of once we do our standing exam, Next thing we're going to do is we're going to take that horse out and do a dynamic exam. So we're going to put the horse on the lunge line and we're going to see it at all three gates, walk, trot, canter, both ways. I like to take a listen to the horse after. Things can change as far as uh, its heart rate. We want to make sure that it, as it's asking to pump blood around a little bit more, uh, taking deeper breaths, how does it sound after exercise? And then at that point, we'll do our flexion tests. So flexion tests are a great tool in a pre-purchase exam. So we're going to pull the leg into maximum flexion uh, and then trot it off after just to see how it responds to that. And we'll do that on all four. You can break it up into, you know, maybe we do the lower limb, then we do the upper limb, or you could do the full limb. And it depends, again, on the horse and maybe if we've seen something that we want to further investigate. And then after that time, it's a bit of a chat. Like, how are things going so far? Is there anything that's popped up? And then from there, we'll go to our imaging. Again, we're, we're hoping to identify a problem. If it's there, then we'll, we'll obviously specifically x-ray that area or ultrasound. Sometimes you have like a three-year-old and we expect that horse to be doing well. He hasn't had that 
many miles put on them yet. And so we might be looking at doing survey x-rays. Typically in a younger horse, those survey x-rays are, are hoping to identify chips, maybe early arthritis. In a really young horse, we want to make sure there's no angular limb deformities, club foot, all these you know fun things that might be a problem later on. I don't expect a lot of those problems to be a problem at the time of the exam. He hasn't had the miles. Uh, the wear and tear is not there. And so we want to know is in that first three years of life, isn't going to match the amount of work it's going to do for the rest of its life. So we want to make sure it can hold up to the job that they want. And then, you know, a lot of times just chatting with the trainer that maybe comes with the buyer. I think that's a big resource that, that I like to tap into because they know sometimes the client better than I do because it might be a, a person I've never met before. And so, you know, you're trying to quickly develop this rapport so that you kind of get a feel for what their expectations are, what their expectations for even, you know, it might be a daughter that's riding and, and whatnot. And so the trainer usually has a very good overview of and may have a four or five year plan for this client. And knowing that plan really helps me quite a bit. The client expectation and having that trainer to set this is really the goals, because sometimes we're, we're all ambitious. And I remember, you know, doing a pre-purchase and the person said, I want this to be a high level dressage horse. And I'm like, that's, that's an exceptional horse. You know, this is, I think, a six-year-old or a five or six-year-old. But I knew, knowing the trainer, that this was probably more of a lower level. And we did the pre-purchase. Like, this horse wasn't probably going to suit being a high-level dressage horse. But the buyer's expectations were so unrealistic that they passed on this horse. And this horse would have been perfect for them if they were a bit more realistic in their expectations. You don't want to limit anybody's goals. No, no. But this person was not going to the Olympics. And was kind of obvious. And I just, like you, I like it when the trainer's there. Oh, for sure. It's emotional. You talked before, somebody's already fallen in love with the horse. It's really emotional. Well, and I think it's also the the likelihood that the trainer has seen more pre-purchases than that one specific client is obvious. You know, they're, they've been through it. They kind of a feel for the big things that might be an issue. Again, also maybe picking the right horse for their training program is another thing. So it's an invaluable resource to have there for sure. Yeah. Now, you mentioned before about after doing the dynamic exam and in the cross ties that you often move on to doing x-rays. How do you know what areas to focus on for the x-rays? So, you know, the big things you're going to look for are puffy joints or effusive joints that might suggest there's something going on in there, such as a chip or early arthritis. The other big thing that we'd look for is just like, was there a reduced range of motion? You know, maybe when I was picking up the fetlock, I just could not bend it as far as it should be able to be bent. A lot of times, too, the flexion will help. No flexion test is going to say, oh, I flex that. And that's specifically the passing joint. But it gives you a range or a zone to look into. And hopefully through palpation and, and watching the horse go, that will give us even a, a better uh, zone. Again, you're not doing necessarily nerve blocks to be like, this is the spot. And hopefully the horse is sound at the pre-purchase. And so you're looking again for just something that might need maintenance and just knowing that that could be the issue. Those are the big things you're looking for to help you with that. I think some of that is so age dependent because, I mean, if you have a, a horse that is like, let's say a 16-year-old that's been showing its whole life, it's going to flex positive. Yeah. Or or it's a medical marvel and we need to put them in a museum. Yeah. Basically. 
after my years of being a farrier, I don't work really well in certain joints. As you said, like if it's a young horse and it's got a puffy joint or a bad flexion, that's more suspicious than like a 16-year-old that you know has been out there every summer, happy at it. Yeah. And a proven show record helps a lot. Like, again, I use that information. But yeah, like you want to interpret that information with a reference, right? Like I have higher expectations of a three-year-old than I do an 18-year-old. And again, those puffy joints, if I find a small fragment of an OCD. Just to clarify, an OCD is like a birth defect. That's correct. Yeah a poorly ossified or the bone didn't form properly. So it's right. a lot of horses have it. Some of it's genetic. We don't know if it's nutrition, but. Right. You know, you have a 16-year-old Grand Prix horse with a, a small OCD in the hawk. We're not that worried about it. No, no. We see it in a two-year-old. We're like, okay, before we put this horse through 14 years of work, let's maybe consider whether or not we need to take it out. And a lot of times better out than in. And it's not the end of the world to take that out. You know, we have a good relationship with board-certified surgeons. And again, I I might contact them and be like, hey, should we be taking this out or not? A lot of times it's kind of self-evident. If you've got a lot of effusion or puffiness to the hawk or boggy, that's likely only to become worse over time. And once, you know, you start that arthritic progression, it's hard to improve that joint as much as it could have been if it was taken out before it was put into hard work. So when we talk about x-rays, it ranges from a minimal amount of x-rays to, I know we've done pre-purchases that over 30 Mm x-rays. And so why do we need to take so many x-rays for a joint? You know, you're trying to look at a three-dimensional object in two dimensions. So those, you know, fragments we talk about uh, and those spurs that we might find in a joint, if they're overlapped by other bone, it can be very hard to identify them and could be missed if you just took one view. So ideally, I think kind of standard would be taking four views. So one from the side, one from the front, and then what we would call oblique views really help to look at all of the sides. Yeah, you're just trying to make sure you got a complete view of that joint. And I think one thing I just want to clarify, we were talking earlier, if if you're seeing a horse that was off during the pre-purchase exam, we'll start x-raying or image that joint first. Because if there's something there that we don't like, why spend all the money? Yeah, I would go with the problem joint first. Yeah. We want people to be able to, you know, this one's not appropriate. Save your money for the next one. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned before about when you were feeling over a horse and you could feel they're a little sensitive on a tendon or ligament. So in following up on that, when would you use an ultrasound or endoscopy in a pre-purchase? Yeah, thank God, uh... There's two legs of each side so that I can compare. So sometimes horses are just like a little sensitive to like a high suspensor. You palpate it. They're both a little sensitive. Literally the pre-purchase we did today. We're going to look at that because it is likely a limiting factor to a certain degree. If you see asymmetry, it's always worse than symmetrical. Yeah, so I'd use an ultrasound when I can localize a soft tissue that's painful to palpation or it's hot or it's visibly swollen. You know, the main things you're really looking, I'd say, with the ultrasound, especially a pre-purchase, you're like your suspensories, uh, your flexor tendons, and, and your check ligament. And when you're, those are, I would say, the top ones for sure. Obviously, there's a million other things, but those, those ones are of high, high priority. Your endoscopy, I would say likely one of the more rare diagnostics we use at a pre-purchase. But if you're hearing the horse making noise during the lunging aspect of the pre-purchase, 
that would be an indication for it. If there's any report of intermittent nasal discharge, you know, if during the a thoracic auscultation we heard wheezing or stuff like that, we might be wanting to further characterize that. Again, it's getting a little bit more and more into the weeds on that. But those would be, you know, upper airway problems for sure. We want to be looking so like, you know, your classic like roars, uh, epiglottic entrapments and uh, and that kind of stuff. So we'd be wanting to check. But luckily, those are a little bit more rare. Like definitely the number one diagnostic we're using is is x-rays and then closely followed by ultrasound. And then, you know, usually people kind of have a feel uh, and maybe have had already the the sellers already had their regular vet out for that endoscopy stuff. But if they haven't, then then we'd be looking at that. I also find the uh, ultrasound in preparing for a pre-purchase, you're asking the seller for the medical history mm-hmm. and they have to sign off for it. So you're hoping that they're going to be as transparent as possible. And they may say, oh yeah, like two years ago, it had a tendon injury. Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at that now. Yeah. Let's see how it's yeah. doing compared to the other leg. Let's make sure it's healed well. And Well, the great thing about ultrasound is it tells you exactly what's happening right now. Yeah. It's as current of information as you could possibly get. Great for that. Yep. So we have a lot of uh, questions, and some of the questions we've asked here are are some of the common questions that we uh, receive from clients, and that is, is there an age where a horse should be getting a pre-purchase exam, or is there an age where we shouldn't be doing it? How do you feel about that? There's an exam out there for every horse. It's just that maybe your criteria and your focus changes with age. Again, like if you have a yearling, we really want to make sure that uh, we don't have any angular limb deformities checking for like a club foot, ruling out any growth defects in the cartilage or or joints. If we have an older horse, let's say he's 17, 18, we want to make sure that he hasn't sustained an injury that is just going to only get worse or maybe he needs some therapy. Uh, There's a job for every horse out there. And so sometimes that horse is maybe going down in work and is maybe going into a school program or something like that. We really want to make sure that he can see, you know, like his eyes are okay, or we're checking temperament. Uh, We want to make sure that his heart is normal, that we don't have any issues that way. We don't need him going down with a kid on his back or at any stage, want to make sure that there's no neurological deficits because it doesn't matter how skilled you are as a rider, uh, that can be quite dangerous. And then obviously, you know, a horse that's eight to 10, something in there, and he's going to be hitting the hardest point of likely his work career, we want to make sure that we're identifying anything that might limit his performance that way. Yeah. So I I think it's just your focus might be different, but unfortunately at every age, there's new and wonderful things that we have to make sure that aren't going to raise its ugly head. Yeah. I'm listening to you. I'm like, man, this sounds like every horse is just an accident waiting to happen. And it's it's not like, that's why they're hiring us for a pre-purchase exam because things could happen. It's a risk assessment. The worst thing is surprises, right? Besides your birthday, you don't need a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) I see it a lot where maybe someone bought something and they're like, man, I wish I knew or did that. Just so you knew. Maybe they'd still buy the horse. But just so you knew and you maybe would have done something different. You really just want to minimize any kind of regret you might have. You know, sometimes you, you feel bad that maybe you didn't take x-rays of the back and a has kissing spines and you just thought the horse was misbehaving and you put him through maybe two years of significant back pain 
and we could have maybe identified that at a pre-purchase or or something like that and could have changed some things so that his performance career would be substantially longer. If a horse is being pre-purchased by a buyer outside of Canada, are you able to do the required tests and forms needed for export at the time of a pre-purchase? Absolutely not. That's not possible. <laughs> Just joking. That's totally possible. Yeah, like uh, the the great thing is the pre-purchase exam is more involved than any other exam that is out there. So, you know, whether it's to finalize like an insurance policy or, you know, we collect blood at every pre-purchase so we can, you know, send that for our Coggins. The health certificate would be totally covered under the findings of the pre-purchase. So, yeah, all that stuff can be kind of umbrellaed in there. You talked about being able to do a Coggins with blood work. What other reasons? I mean, sometimes we're going in there and I, I can just see people looking at us like we're going to ensanguinate the horse. We're taking so many blood samples. Yeah. yeah. What else is going on there when we're taking blood? Just standard protocol is we take blood and hold it for 90 days. It's just in case we need to do any kind of drug testing. And in my experience, I find that protects the seller more than anything. Because the horse is going to likely change its training program. It's going to have a different rider on it. It's going to be in a different environment. And so sometimes there's the belief that maybe that, that horse is different now. Is it different because it was on some sort of you know, uh, sedative or pain med or something like that. And I find that that just eliminates the possibility of any hard feelings and second guessing. I can only think of one time where it really turned out that that was the case that somebody was doing it. It's just thankfully not that common, but it kind of keeps everybody honest. And I've never had anybody upset that we're taking the, that blood and holding it. I suspect we likely hold it for much longer because it's just hanging out in the freezer. And there's just other stuff that we could use that serum for if need be to, you know, if the horse developed even a disease in the next three months, like maybe it got Lyme. Okay, well, now we can compare the titers on this. It's a good thing to have. But yeah, I, I find, if anything, it protects the sellers more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned earlier that you were going to uh, pre-purchase and hopefully the horse is sound. Uh, what do you do if a horse is lame when you arrive for the exam? Well, after I finish crying, I, uh, <laughs> it's always tough. Like that, that's likely everyone's worst fear that, you know, the seller for sure doesn't want the horse to be lame and the buyer for sure doesn't want the horse to be lame. Again, everybody's has a common goal here. Again, pre-purchase is just a static, it's a photo. I see the horse for two hours, you know, at that point. And any horse can have a bad day. So it's not that we write that horse off and you're like, this horse is never going to make it, you know, like, could be he just had a, a foot bruise or an abscess. You know, maybe the day before him and his paddock mate made some bad decisions about what they were going to be doing for the afternoon. And what we want to do is see if we can just localize it a little bit more and see if there's anything superficial that could be easily fixed without any advanced uh, treatment. You know, I can think of a couple of horses where they knew the horse was having a pre-purchase and it was due to be trimmed and the pre-purchase kind of got bumped and then all of a sudden the horse is a couple weeks overdue and the the shoe's loose or sprung or something and the horse is lame at the pre-purchase. No problem. We're going we're gonna to pull that shoe. We're going to have the farrier come out, get them trimmed up, uh, reset the shoe, and then we're just going to come back in three, four days after the shoe's back on and, and see what we got. You know, there's definitely horses in the spring 
and fall where like you got that freeze thaw cycle and they come in with a foot bruise, you know, no fault to anybody, you know, any horse is going to come up lame during that time. So again, we're going to treat it maybe for a foot abscess for a week, if anything drains or whatnot, and then we're going to come back. Now, if there's something more and we can localize it to a certain degree, you know, a lot of times it's got to be a conversation between the buyer and myself and the seller to be like, do we want to uh, set up an appointment to come with the set of eyes that this is a lameness exam now, or we want to maybe do nerve blocks and see if we can further localize it. If it's something where like, okay, you know, the horse is lame, I flexed it and the fetlock's puffy, feel pretty confident, it's likely the fetlock. Let's take a couple of shots and just see if this is something we can work with or if it's not. You know, if we're seeing something a little bit more advanced where I have a feeling this is going to be a six, eight months off, it's just a more difficult conversation. You know, let's say we're feeling a big, warm, painful suspensory branch. You know, like this is likely not going to be better in a week. So do we want to pause this? Do we want to just see what happens when he gets to the point of rehab? Again, it's likely not something that's going to be happening for the next couple of months. Again, just trying to determine the severity and if we can localize it to be more sure of the area and then whether or not it's something we can work with. Again, there's lots of horses that just pop up lane, day off, just bad luck, came out of the stall, got cast overnight, something stupid. And, you know, let's just pause it, come back in a week. We really want to give the chance to the horse. Like, we want this to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's minimized tears for sure. Yeah. So I have a, the last question is sort of a dual sided question. The first is like, what are the biggest challenges you have from your experience doing a pre-purchasing exam? On the flip side are like, what gets you excited about doing a pre-purchase exam? Well, it's easier to say the excitement parts. So, you know, we do a lot of pre-purchases. Maybe it's their first horse, right? And they're super excited. And you know that you're kind of being part of history here. This is going to be their first horse. Uh, they're super excited and, you know, they're going to remember that you helped them. That's what we're there to help. Maybe it's not their first horse, but maybe it's their first big investment in a horse. You know, maybe they're looking, you know, uh, the riders got to the point where they're ready to go to the next level. And like, maybe they went from leasing and now they're owning. It's very rare to go to a pre-purchase where the buyer isn't excited. I'd almost be weirded out if they weren't excited. My goal is to not get too high, not get too low. Let's kind of keep everything in the middle. That's always exciting. Just that it's not like you're going down to the corner store and buying a chocolate bar. It's a big investment. If I can help people feel comfortable with that and that at the end of the day, they have minimal worries. There's always worries, I'm sure. But if we can minimize those worries, then, you know, that that's what excites me about it for sure. As far as like the challenges, you know, I think we were talking off the air there. You know, it's always tough to go to a pre-purchase where the person bred this foal, has raised it, it's six years old, and then along comes Dr. Welsh and he's going to nitpick this poor pony to death. And the challenges are being able to relay that information without insulting someone who owns the horse. That's not at all the goal, obviously, but sometimes I'm sure it feels that way. And so trying to keep emotions uh, in check is a challenge. And uh, uh, another big challenge is someone that just loves this horse is going to buy it. And you're just like, I really don't know if 
this is going to fit what you want. And even tougher if they got young kids, you know, like a 13-year-old that's maybe they're going to be their first horse. And again, here comes Dr. Wells just breaking dreams. And, <laughs> you know, the horse has some structural damage that is just not going to be able to do it. It's just not going to be able to work. It's not that it means that the horse is a mean horse or anything like that. It's just you want to be able to ride your horse. And if you're not going to be able to ride it, ugh, that it's tough. And so, you know, again, I don't want to make anybody cry, but sometimes knowing upfront sure beats once they get even more emotionally attached two, three years down the, and now the horse is being retired at eight. And you're like, ah. Well, I think what you said earlier is I think a great parting note to go on is that is there's a horse for every use or everybody. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. just because this horse hasn't worked for you, there's another one. That's right. That's and we'll, right. we could find that. We can work with you and, and help it. It's just because that situation didn't work. It's not the end of the day. Yeah. And, and that's why I like, too, when the sellers are there and that everyone's okay with the information being shared openly so that whatever I find, we can talk to also the sellers. So maybe they're going to be able to search out the right buyers. There's lots of information that's going to be presented there. And most of it's obviously targeted towards the buyers because that's who's uh, hiring us. But if everyone's good with it and we can provide some information just for that horse to get the best fit going forward, perfect. Yeah, everybody wins. Yeah. Jim, thank you very much for taking some time. It's a busy time of the year. Uh, I think this is really informative and your perspective is really valuable. So thank you. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. This podcast is not a substitute for regular and emergency veterinary care. Our purpose is to inform and educate horse people not to diagnose and treat medical conditions without a valid veterinary client-patient relationship.